Matthew, verse 24, and Jesus addressing his disciples. And Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with the angels, and then shall he reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there are some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Lord, bless your word. The song said we're going to fly out of here. We got our reservation ready. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. And my title is The Challenge of Discipleship. The Challenge of Discipleship. There was a crowd that came to hear Jesus speak. And Jesus did not seek to entertain the crowd, but he turned to his disciples, one that he called from their different respective employment. And they had to give up what they were doing. They called to leave all to follow him. Twelve men he chose from 70 men. They were called to leave all, everything they owned, had to give up their family and their friends, their livelihood, their lifestyle, and their home and their familiar surroundings. And the Lord said to them that they should leave all and follow me. One lad said, Lord, I got a dead father to bury. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. But you come and follow me. Another man said, Lord, I'll follow you. He said, well, the birds have their nest and the foxes got their holes. But the Son of Man have nowhere to lay his head, much more you becoming another, amen, baggage for me to carry around. That man did not follow through and follow Jesus. Now, I want to confess today that Jesus Christ does believe that we should have good health and good wealth and be happy. Amen. I believe Jesus Christ wants to give to us all that is beneficial to our living. Amen. But he also wants to teach his disciples that there has to be a cross before there is a crown. There has to be suffering before the glory can follow. There has to be sacrifice before the reward can be received. There has to be dying before living can become a reality. And there got to be losing before there's giving and winning. In other words, winning is not everything. Amen. And then he said to the disciples, if you're going to follow me, you have to deny yourself. In other words, I want you to disown yourself. That's hard. 
in a narcissistic society, it's hard for a man to disown who he is and give up who he is. He wants his disciples to abandon their own social security and their comfort and their familiar surrounding and to give up all and be willing to pay the price to follow him. Now, Jesus Christ most time would talk in paradox to his disciples. He lets them know on several occasions when the crowd was following him. He knew the crowd followed him for the loaves and the fishes and the bread, but it was not for the word. And a, a young man ran to Jesus, and the young lad looked at the 12 and wanted to be a part of what Jesus was leading and said, Good master, what must I do to have eternal life? He desired eternal life. He realized he didn't have it. Jesus talked with the familiar and said, I want you to keep these commandments of Moses. He said, Lord, I have kept all those from my youth up. I am not lacking in any of those things. Now, Jesus could have dealt with a hard issue first, but he dealt with the soft spots to give him a come along. <laughs> and the Lord said, all these things I want you to do. And then the Lord said to him now, but one thing thou lackest, go and sell all. And have treasures in heaven. Now that's a paradox. If I give all to the poor, this is go bank what you sold. He said, give it all to the poor and then come follow me carrying a cross and follow me. Now don't forget he wants eternal life. But he wanted on his condition. He wanted with security in hand. And the Lord is telling him to let go of what seems to be your social financial security. Give it all up and empty out your pocketbook, empty out your pocket, empty out your purse, and all that you call your nest egg. Give it all up and come and follow me and all I have for you is a cross. The Bible says the lad walked away discouraged. And he was upset and deeply hurt that God would ask him to do such a commitment which was beyond, he felt, reality. The lad did not inherit eternal life. He did not sell all. He did not give it all to the poor. And he did not take up a cross. And he did not follow Jesus. What he was saying, the price is too much to pay to be a follower of Jesus. The price is too high for me to get involved in. But you know, there's a young man called Saul of Tarsus. He had the same request and the same, what will thou have me to do to be a disciple? And Paul said, I count all things lost. I gave up all that was seemingly profitable and admirable to others. I gave it all. In other words, he said, I, 
become a loser. I lost all things that I may win Christ. That don't make sense in the financial world. If you lose, you're a loser. Everybody wants a winner. But Paul says, I am a loser. I've lost all things. I count all things lost that I may win Christ. And that's the paradox that seems like a conflict of interest here. It seems like it's contradicting itself. But it said, I had to lose everything to win Christ. You know, the Bible talks about the man who was seeking the pearl of great price and how he desired so strongly, and he sought it, and finally he said he found it, and then he wanted to own it, and he learned he could not have it except he be willing to let go of what he had to get what he never had. It's amazing how the familiar can stop us from getting what we do need, what we have, and so accustomed to can stop you from learning and the Lord said he had to sell all, give it all up to get what he wanted. Now, there's a Bible story told Jesus. Talk about this great wedding feast the king had for his son. Another parable Jesus put, which is a paradox. He said, go and tell all the guests all things are ready. I'm ready. My supper is ready. My son getting married. And I invite you to come. You are invited to come as the top. List priority. You're coming to my son's wedding. And the Bible said he went to three categories of people. The first one says, sorry, I can't come. I just bought some cattle. Just bought some cows. And I can't come. Please have me excused. My cows and my purchase mean a whole lot more than an invitation. I just cannot do this. And so he went to the next person, and the person said, Sorry, tell him I cannot come. Thanks, but no thanks. I'm not available. I just married a wife. I can't come. I got to go home with my wife. I just married. Tell him thanks, but no thanks. And so he went to the other one. And said, so now you're invited to come to the great supper of the king's son and the wedding feast. Tell him also, I can't come because I just bought a piece of real estate. Now, Jesus described what's going to stop you and me from discipleship. He said, your entrepreneurship going to stop you from discipleship. People are going to blame their jobs as a reason why they can't be committed to the discipleship of Jesus. The man said, I just made a purchase, and I put my purchase above that invitation. I just cannot come. How many people are going to bring excuse to God as the reason why they could not show up at the invitation? And so the Lord said, all right, they're not worthy of this great invitation, I will step beyond the first group, and I'll just invite anybody and everybody who wants to come. He went out there in the highways and the byways and said, Come on, you're invited. You can come. All things are ready. The calves are killed. The table is set. 
the banquet is ready. My son is getting married. And I want you to be at my guest there. Let's come along. It said some people came, and they filled the place. They jammed the place. He said, go back up there. There's still room. There's still room. Come on, bring everybody you can. And he brought some more in until the place was full. After it was full, then the master came, and he looked around. With discerning eyes, he looked, and he picked out one individual in that full house that did not properly attire. It's amazing. You'd think it'd be caught up with the crowd, but he caught up with the one person who was not fitted for the occasion. It was not that they could not be ready, but whatever the reason was, they were not willing to make the adjustment to be a part of that relationship. They were not willing to make that one change. One thing can keep you out of the kingdom of God. That thing which you overlook could be the reason why you get thrown out. Why God going to throw you out and throw me out and throw anybody out. That one change that you thought was not important, he placed a higher value. Yes, I did invite you. Yes, I did say come. Yes, I did love you. Yes, I did reach after you. But you would not change. Even though I made the provision for you to change. He said, how did he get in? Dressed like that. Some folks don't think God is that particular. He said, no spot, no wrinkle, or any such thing. A lot of people don't think, well, God is not like that. It's just a man's idea. But he picked out that individual and said, you're not dressed right. You're not in the wedding garment. This is my king's, king's son getting married. And you're not going to mess up my party with your misfit and lack of change. He said, bind him hand and feet and throw him out. The paradox of discipleship. When you come to the banquet table, you will not please yourself. You got to make the changes that are required to have retention in this place. You're not going to stay on your own terms. I've invited you. Yes, I did. Many are called. Yes, I did call them. But few will be chosen. I said few will be chosen because they had the changes that was necessary. You've got to deny yourself of the familiarity Disown yourself. Abandon your own self-security and self-aggrandizement and narcissistic way and your own the comfort and do what the king says. Jesus Christ looked at the rich. A lot of folks act like God don't like rich people. It's not true. Jesus loved rich people. In fact, he made his disciples rich. Make you rich, make I rich. But he said one thing about riches. It says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man 
with all his accumulations, with all his wealth, with all his accomplishment, with all his supposed success, you know, like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and all those guys that you, that you like to be like, you know, and Rockefellers. He says, very hard, not impossible, very hard for them to enter into what? The kingdom of God. Amen. Why? Because they're not willing to make the adjustment to go through the eye of the needle. The eye of the needle is not going to change. It's the mention. Any change that takes place in the discipleship is going to come from me. I got to lay aside every weight, every baggage. Now, if you want to see a camel, a camel always have baggages. Hello? Always have a bunch on their hump on his back to stop him. And a whole bunch of other baggage he's carrying. And God said, that camel got more hope than a rich man <laughs> because he's not willing to make the change. A lot of people love Jesus, but they're not willing to make the consecration, the dedication, the commitment, and the change to be a disciple of Jesus. They want the Holy Ghost. They want the banqueting table. They want to wear the crown. They want to put on the wedding gown. They want to sit on the throne. But they're not going to change. They're not going to rearrange their life. And so they're not going to sit down with him. Because the Bible said the camel is going to go through and they'll be locked out. Let's worship the Lord. Another parable Jesus Christ gave us. He said, he that loveth life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for the gospel's sake and my sake shall save his life. Now, church, that is a conflict of discussion. How can I save my life by losing it? Amen. Praise God. If I lose my life, I lost it. Hello? But Jesus Christ is saying in the same scripture here, if you love, in Matthew 10, 37, 39, if you love anything more than me, I'm talking about your wife, your husband, your job, your children, your privileges in society, I'm going to bring it right closer, your life. All that a man has is his life. You may not have silver or gold, but you sure have your life. It says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it come the issue of life. That's all you have. You may not have a shirt, a shoe to wear, a car to drive, but you've got your life. And God said, if you love your life more than me. But first, he talked about things that we embrace and love. The 10th chapter, he that loveth father, father, hear me this morning, or mother, mother, hear me this morning, more than me. He said, if you love your parents more than you love me, Jesus Christ says, he that loveth his son and daughters more than me, like Eli did, Eli lost his soul because he preferred his son above 
Listen now. God. He said, you place your son before me. The reason why Adam got kicked out was not because, amen, he was deceived. God says he hearkened to his wife more than God. And God threw them both out. Amen. When the man Job was confronted with his wife's suggestion, who, uh, who, who admonished him, curse God and die and give up your integrity. He said, woman, you speak like one of those girls out there. You got the wrong guy. And he was rewarded because he did not allow that to get in his way. The boss did not interfere with his walk with God. I'm going to tell you, my friend, God wants you to be healthy. He wants you to be wealthy. He wants you to be happy. But there'll come a time, amen, when you got to give up, amen, to keep him in your life. There'll come a time, my friend, when you got to deal with the cross before you see the crown. When the suffering come before the glory and the sacrifice come before the reward and the dying, my friend. I was thinking about the man Christ Jesus. He looked like a loser on the cross. Amen. Winning is not everything, my friend, but losing is all things. Sometimes failure is better than winning, my friend. He failed, amen, at Capernaum. And on the cross, he looked like he failed. But our church, the glory to follow. The paradox of discipleship. He said, look, that Job make the right decision. He told the disciples, if you're not willing to lose your life for me, that means disown yourself. And Paul says, to die is gain. It's a paradox. How can I gain by dying? When you die, you lose everything. But Paul said, to die is gain. And to live is Christ. He said, I will glory in the cross. The cross is repugnant to the uncommitted person who have lip service of Christ and don't have discipline following of Jesus Christ. The crowd going to thin out when he comes. When he separate the cross-bearing believer, amen, from the crown-seeker believer. I'm telling you, my friend, the world tells you glory. Yes, there's glory in the church, but there's also suffering. That's why he tells the story that while on the ground, when they come in the church, and when problems starts in their lives, and difficulty comes, and they get scorched, and they get burnt, and they get isolated, and get decimated, and they get rejected by their own family, by their own husband, by their own wives, by their own jobs, and, and circumstances come to keep them from God. Amen. They quit on God because they have no root in them. But there's a good ground. The good ground survive all three grounds. Let's worship the Lord. He gave the parable, again, in the book of Luke 14, 25, 27. First, he told you, you're not worthy of me. Can you imagine Jesus Christ is asking me to love him more than my literal mother and my father? Can you believe that? You know why? Because there are children that are saved and parents who are not. 
and those parents will drive it out of them, put them out of the house, disown them, disfellowship them, disinherit them. Hallelujah. Call them names. Treat them like dogs. But those kids have to hang on. I said, Mom and Daddy, after the way that some call heresies, so worship I the God of my Father. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. Amen. There come times when husbands, amen, have to make a decision. When a wife said, no, I'm not for it. Mrs. Lot said, I don't care what the angel said. I'm going to look back. But it takes a disciplined mind like Lot to say, I'm not looking back. I'm going forward. I'm not looking back. I don't care what she does. I'm going forward. Hallelujah. It took an Abigail, amen, to overcome a wicked man. Amen. Call, what was his name again? I can't remember his name. Nabal was, amen, was a cruel Devilish man, get drunk all the time, but she may have in her mind. I love God more than I love this guy, Nabal. Hallelujah. And she survived. I'm trying to tell you, my friend, sometimes people get entangled with, un with worldly boys and worldly girls, and they skip church over a boy, and they skip church over a woman or over a girl. But I'm telling you, friend, it's not worth it. It's not worth the cost. It's not worth the price that you pay by giving up Jesus for that little pleasure of sin, which is just for a season. It doesn't last. Amen. Sex don't last long. It's a few seconds. It's over. But, friend, you lost your soul forever and forever. You sold out cheap. The Bible talks about in the book, Amen. There's on the board right there. Luke 14. If a man come after me and hate not his father and his mother, he is not worthy of me. He cannot be my disciple. Amen. Just cannot be. I got to lose oh, to get this. Jesus asked the question, what am I profited if I gain a lot of 649? I become the richest man in the world. I own Buckingham Palace. I own Fort Knox. I own all the oil companies in the world. I'm a tycoon. I'm a sheik. Amen. I got lots of oil, lots of money. And when I die, I still own it. But it doesn't profit me. Get the message. You own it like Evans Presley does. Amen. Evans Presley owns still today blocks and blocks. Michael Jackson owned blocks and blocks and record royalty. But it profited him nothing. He can't get it, he can't reach it. I was thinking about the discomfort of priority. The great supper was made, and they said, we can't come. Don't let any person keep you from getting what God has in store for you. Don't let your job make you miss the marriage supper of the Lamb. 
Don't let your family keep you out from being there in the wedding feast. Don't let your purchase of property and enterprise keep you out. It may be a discomfort of priority, but get your priority right. Jesus is first. He's not second place. Hallelujah. Amen. Even kids at school have got to learn and say, I am one of them. I will not deny my Christ. Let's worship God. It's not worth the loss. Amen. The Bible talks about another parable in the Bible. He said, look, not only to the supper, but also he said, look, there's a rich man. He fares sumptuously in this life. And to him, he felt like he's a success. You think people who make money are successful because of the way they dress and the cars they have and the house they have. And that to you is success. But Jesus has a story to tell you that man's life does not consist of the abundance of things he possesses or the stocks he owns, even or the income he got in his back pocket. There are guys dying, leave Rolls Royce and can't drive it. But in the bank, they can't cash it. Even if I wrote him a check for it and put it in the coffin, he can't spend it. You hear me, church? Got some jackets and suits he can't wear. He might be cashmere and tuxedo and all that beautiful, nice coat, but he can't put it on. Hello. Amen. That man called uh, uh, the, one of the Beatles says, imagine there is no heaven. It still exists. Imagine there is no hell. Hell still exists. He may be famous today, but he's not famous where he's at. I say, hallelujah. He fears sumptuously, and you would think Lazarus has a problem. Lazarus has sores. Lazarus is poor. The dog is licking his sores. That don't look like successful Christianity. Hallelujah. You brag how great your God is, and God can't help you. You're full of sores. You brag how wonderful your God is, and you're so poor. See, men look on the outward appearance, but God knows the heart. God knows where the true value is. He said, what would I profit if I gave the whole world? But I lost the only thing I really own, my soul. Or what would I give in exchange for my soul? He's talking to his disciples. He's not talking to sinners because he knows what's going through their mind. They're wondering, did I make a mistake leaving all to follow Christ? Did I make a mistake when I submit myself to the ordinances of God? Some people think it's a vain thing to do. Some think it's not necessary. Some think you're going to Christianity overboard. Hello? And that's how he lived. But hear what? He was not living in an area where there was no prophet. There were the prophets and there was Moses. The man told him in hell, Hey, you got Moses and the prophet in your lifetime. It doesn't matter what church you go to. It doesn't matter how you repent. It doesn't matter how you're baptized. It doesn't matter what mode you follow. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter how you dress. It doesn't matter how you live. And some may tell you it doesn't matter. That's all right. But I'm going to make the commitment. 
the paradox of a choice. Lazarus desire is bread, but never desire his lifestyle. You see, because you're poor doesn't mean you're forgotten. You're poor on earth because Jesus taught us don't lay up treasures on earth. That's a paradox. Because, you know, GST in the retirement said you need some money in the bank. If you're from the state's 401k, say you need some money in the bank. Amen. If you don't have any, man, you're going to be a beggar on, on the highway. But Jesus said, better to be a beggar here and be better over there. Have you ever noticed the difference in the burial? Lazarus died, and the angels took him and carried him away. They said, he's buried. Angels took him away. Hello? Because poor people are not buried. They're left there in the gutter. So the angel took him away. But here's the rich man. He died, and he buried all the pump. I don't mean in disrespect. I didn't tear this down a while ago in Calgary. There were 3,000 people showed up. And not one thing they said mattered to him when he stand before Almighty God. Not one of the recommendation or citation or the good deeds he did here will benefit him. Hello. And some unknown minus quantity Christian who did keep God's commandments, live holy, and pray to God often, and keep the beatitude and walk right and live for Christ, and they may die and not even of a casket to bury in. Unknown quantity, but well known in heaven. What a paradox of lifestyle. Lazarus died, but the Bible tells me on the other side, the story changed. Just like when I tell you, hallelujah, it doesn't profit me anything to gain this whole world or gain friendship with the world and lose fellowship with God. Because friendship with the world is enmity with God. And if I love this present world, then the love of God is not in me. Does it matter who you love? It sure does. Praise God. And Lazarus was in the bosom. Now, church, you understand, every mother's known the comfort of a bosom. When a child is crying and weeping and in grief, what does a mom do? Pick that child up, not put it in a crib, but put that kid in her bosom, and that kid will stop crying. There's something about bosom. It's a place of comfort. And so Lazarus found himself in the comfort of Abraham's bosom. With all the trimming and the blessings of Abraham. You think the rich man family knows that? No! Lazarus is a failure. Lazarus, you live in vain. You are a weirdo. You're poor, but rich in God. Rich in Christ. Hallelujah. Praise God. Don't judge your success by the money in your bank. 
Don't judge your success by the quality house you live in. Don't you think by the car you drive determine how successful you are. You may be in the gutter most on earth, but in heaven, oh, come on now. There's a place called mansion prepared. I'm going to tell somebody, discipleship is fellowshipping the suffering of Jesus Christ. It's suffering, amen, the poverty of Jesus Christ. It's suffering misunderstanding. It's suffering rejection. It's carrying the cross. It's being misplaced, displaced, misunderstood, not even liked or loved or even known, but church, but you're greater in heaven than upon this terra firma. Amen. Christians don't realize that because you got no treasure down here doesn't mean you're poor up there. Lazarus was in the comfort of Abraham's bosom. There are people right now, they're choosing their job over being in church. And they're going to reap all the overtime they need and all the cash. But later it becomes trash to them. When they realize you live for self, you live in vain. You live for Christ, you live to gain. They were deceived that they could get the kingdom without a cross. My friend, the world is lying to us that we get without giving, that we gain without pain. It's not true. Jesus said you need a cross. Let's worship God. Mm. Only what's done for Christ will last. Kids, hear me, kids. It's going to be easier at school for you to say, I don't know that church. I don't belong to that church. It's going to be easier for you to say, I don't, want to, I don't know that Bible. Because the pressure of conformity will be on. But a disciple is like Stephen. Stephen took on seven synagogues that fought him, and he stood his ground. Discipleship is like those three Hebrew boys that said, I don't care what music you play, we are not going to bow. That's discipleship. There's a man called Daniel that said, I don't care what your decree says. You're not going to let me pray to any other God than the true God. You may be persecuted by scorpions and serpents and canker worm, but I'm not going to sell out my birthright. There's going to be some Nabal in the church that said, I will not sell my birthright. I don't want you to give me ease. I'd rather suffer, amen, with the righteous than die with the wicked. I'm talking about being a disciple. Are you a challenged disciple of God? Hallelujah. They said, Lord, we have forsaken all to follow thee. What will we have? He said, all oh, that you've given up. Amen. I will outweigh it on the other side. Oh, come on, church. It looked like a paradox. 
I've got to become poor that I might become rich. I've got to die that I might live. I have to fall to the ground and die that I may stand up on high. Amen. I've got to amen be rejected that I might be accepted. It's a paradox, but it's true anyhow. I hear a preacher walk into cities and leave it because there's only one soul. One soul that converted to their message. And they figure there is no church. You're wrong. An individual become the temple of God. Jesus left Jerusalem, walked around, and went right to Samaria to one person. But I want to tell you, if you're teaching Bible study right now, the person you're teaching at some point in your teaching, they will be challenged. They'll be challenged to lay aside some weights of sin. If they want to go through the eye of the needle, they have to make adjustment. But the needle will not be adjusted. The garment will not be changed. They have to become a new creature. Amen. Now, I know the world teaches that if we want their conversion, we got to change. They're wrong. At least they got the wrong guy because this guy ain't budging. Forget it. This prostate ain't moving one bit. I know what the Bible says. And that's all that matters. Whether you believe it or not, that's your problem. But God told Eleazar through Abraham, when you go down to that place and you look for a bride for my son, you make sure you don't bring back the wrong girl. If you ever do that, you're going to have to live with her yourself because I don't want her. But if you've done everything that's right, and she said she's not going to do it, and she's not going to live up to it, come home empty-handed. But don't bring my son down to her. If she want to marry my son, she got to make some changes. She got to come up to his level. I'm going to tell this church right now, if you're going to marry Jesus Christ, you have to dress like he wants you to. Otherwise, going to throw you out from the banquet of the marriage supper of the king's son. You're not going to stay in there just the way you want to. You want us dressed like you want to. The parable said you can't stay. It doesn't matter if you shout amen or not. I'm right, you're wrong. I'm telling you, you need to change your ways. Change your lifestyle. Discipleship means change for Christ to come on in. If any man or woman is in Christ, he's a brand new creation. All things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. You can't patch this thing up with the old and the new, my friend. Something got to go. Christ Jesus. Wants to know who do you love most. He said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? 
I want to ask you ladies, if the Lord was to come in here and require you to shave your head bald, would you do it? Shave it bald. And if he came in this building tonight, today, and were require you not to put his scissors in your hair, would you do it? Think about it. If God came in here and told you to body pierce your body all over, hook yourself up with all kind of trinkets, would you do it? And if he told you not to, would you obey him? If he told you, drink wine till you're drunk stupid, would you do it? If he told you not to touch it, would you not touch it? Here's what Jesus says. He that hear these sayings of mine and doeth them. Do it. Not just one doeth. I will liken him unto a wise builder. Who built what? His house. You know what your house means? You, your body, your life upon the rock. And when the storm comes, hear me, church, when the storm comes, you say, you'll stand. If you folks do your own research, you'll find the immorality in churches today from the pulpit to the pew. From the choir to the ministry. Filth everywhere. But somewhere he has a church. Somewhere he reserves 7,000 that remain disciples of Jehovah. They have not bowed or stooped and kissed the image of Baal. God got some people that will not kiss the serpent. God got some men and women that will not let his word fall to the ground. God got some people in the church that said, Pastor, if I perish, I perish. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'd rather lose my house than lose my Jesus. Take this whole world! But give me Jesus, disciples of Christ. Do we have disciple here? When I walked in Fort McMurray, I said, I walk in with Jesus. And when I walk out, I'm walking out with him. I'm not going to be a Samson. Before I close, the eye of the needle will challenge the rich. Survival of the fittest is going to hit those who want to save their life and lose Jesus Christ. The discomfort of an invitation can affect those who put their livelihood above the invitation of God to the supper. And the paradox of giving up all to become a disciple of Jesus. To follow him. Hang on to their riches. Would you stand?
Destiny won't always be in McMurray. He doesn't live forever. But I wonder what will follow after we cease to exist. I wonder what kind of congregation will rise up in this church. I wonder how many kind of people you let in this church that wear their pants and their abomination that God hates. I wonder who would be the next leader who will let filth come down this pulpit and nastiness. Does it matter? Yes. Like head, like shoulder. Oh, hallelujah. Discipline. Anna said, don't count me like one of those girls. I am different. different. You want my job? Take it. But don't ask me to dress immodest just to suit that job. I'm not going to do it. I go to some of these stores to eat food, and I thought they literally undressed those girls to suit the lust of men that goes there. For a business entrepreneur. No God fearing girl gonna take that job. There's some jobs we can't take. There's some places we can't go. Because Jesus said, I ain't coming with you. <laughs> and I say like Moses. If you're not coming, then we're not going. If you're not leading, we ain't following. Peter, do you love me more than these? You parents, I want to talk to you right now. If a Sunday school teacher made a mistake in, in your eyes, and challenge your kids or correct them. You find it easy to come and talk to me about it and berate that teacher. But you don't have the guts and the nerve and the conviction and the discipline to go face that ungodly sodomite teacher out there who teach your kids immoral values. You don't have the guts to go talk to them. You don't have the guts and discipline to go say, that's my boy. You don't teach my boy that. You don't teach my girl that. But you're glad to attack us. Because we're easy, you know, easy prey. But we got some Jacobed in the church. They ain't going to throw my boy in that Nile. I'm a disciple, not a pharaoh. Anna says, I'm not a disciple of Belial. You got the wrong girl. Would you bow your heads right now? I know you can pick the church of your choice. And I don't chase nobody to go anywhere. Because God told me many years ago, only what I gave you will come to you. What I didn't give you, you don't have it.
But church, to present a bride to Christ, I got to find one that suit is requirement. And disciples here this morning, church, you're going to be challenged. You're going to be challenged. Read the 13th chapter of Revelation. You're entering into a world system that demand you bow, that demand you change, that demand conformity. And if you don't, they'll take away your tax number, take away your rights, and so on. But can we say take it all, what the world can offer me, but don't take my Jesus? Who's God talking to this morning? Somebody's being challenged. You find yourself in wrong relationship, break it off. Don't quit church over a boy. Don't quit church over a guy. Don't quit church over a man. Don't do it. It's not worth it. You'll be a loser. You'll not profit. Because you see that desire? Sin always takes us further than we plan to go. Cost me more than I'm willing to pay. But I want to be a disciple of Jesus. Hallelujah. He said, Peter, do you love me more than these fishes? You know, I could one time Peter betrayed him. He said, now, Peter, I'm giving you one more chance. Do you love me more than that girl? Do you love me more than that guy, that unsaved boy, that unsaved girl? Do you love me more than that party, that unsaved job that want to destroy you? Do you love me more than that friend? Do you love me more than that which will keep you in the church? Sometimes you're better off begging bread than having money to buy bread because the job you got will not let you live for God. Who is God talking to right now? God has spoken this morning. It's not worth it going to hell. Who is God talking to right now? The price of discipleship. I know you're going to have trials. I know you're going to have problems and tribulation. But that's part of the life. There's a cross to carry. Sing the song with me. With the cross before me and the world behind, I fell in the sand. I will be the same world behind me and the by the grace of God I will serve the Lord. Anybody here? I have made my decision. Come on, put the word, please. I won't be the same. World beyond and the cross before by the grace of God I will serve the Lord. I have made my decision. Take my claim. I've drawn the line in the sand. 